The Happy Hour with Richie Roy, Chick Maxson, and Johnny Mac. These homosexuals are scheming for world domination. Good grief. What is it with every talk show host thinking they should run the planet? Anywho, back to the Gay BC Happy Hour. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Happy Hour. Um, I hope you're having a good Thursday so far. Um, I know that uh, the weather here has been divine, and I hear that uh, things are pretty nice in Palm Springs as well. Is that true, Johnny Mac? Uh, with one exception, we are experiencing a very sandy month. It has been so dirty here. Every day, I mm. have to rewash my car. Oof. The winds have picked up and taken all of that sand and silt and spread it far and wide. And I think that's actually why I had pneumonia a few weeks ago. A lot of people experiencing a lot of respiratory il uh, illnesses right now here in this area. So uh, it's, it's well, it's a good time to learn to start using our masks again. That's what it is. Oh, gosh. I know. And really, with the uptick in COVID, you know, I the other day... Um, I, or not the other day, you know, a month or so ago, I actually tested positive for COVID, my first go around with it. And um, I had actually, in a fit of peak, had purged almost every mask from my house. Mm. And then I was like, oh, but I really need one now, like to go to the pharmacy to pick up medicine. Yeah. And eventually I finally found one hidden in a jacket pocket somewhere. But uh, yeah, it might be mask time again. I have to tell you that um, I have lost my voice as the day has gone on probably four or five times in the last week and a half. And I'm sure it's got to, in part to do with the fact that I'm getting all of these dirty particles. I haven't even gone out because I had the skin cancer removal surgery about two weeks ago mm -hmm. um, to use the pool yet because they told me, Wait till it heals up a little bit more before you, you know, get any pool water in there. Yeah. And so I guess I could go and just graze around and sit in the, you know, shallow section of the pool. But um, I know if I get in, I'm going to want to dunk myself. Right. So <laughs> it's, but yeah, I walked out this morning and it was, I mean, I know it was probably more like, uh, right around 80 degrees, but I honestly, I felt like it was like walking out and it was 72. There was a nice little breeze. It wasn't hot. And I was like, oh my God, fall is here. And I have been yeah. waiting for this for four months now. I know. I know. I had that feeling where I'm, I'm like, you know, going into the closet to get the sweaters out um, yeah. for the first time. And it's so, it's both exciting and demoralizing because I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but um, the sweaters all feel tired and like I need new sweaters for this year. Of course. So nice yeah. to meet so you, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got a bunch of good stories, uh, interesting things for this week. And we, we do. Um, and, but bef before you launch yeah. into that, I just want to acknowledge um, because we did just bring up the the whole thing with COVID being on the rise again. And this is a very, very uh, infectious uh, bout that people are, are getting this time. Uh, we want to make sure that if you don't already have it planned to think about getting yourself scheduled for a uh, new booster, they're out this week. 
So um, that's that's important to remember, and uh, and wish a happy, speedy re- recovery to our friend James Appadale, who is our correspondent yep. for uh, military and LGBTQ issues, who unfortunately got socked with it today up in Washington yeah. State. So yeah. Yeah, and and the thing is with the, the 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 current vaccine, I think what they're they're sort of pitching it as is it's not really a booster; it's sort of a new vaccine. Like you know, don't don't right. take it lightly. Like go get this new vaccine yeah. because there are new strains that need to be inoculated against. So definitely something to think about. Um, but the first story of this week um, that we're going to cover is something that it's both a bummer. And it actually highlights for me a broader issue in terms of, um, you know, this this uh, movement, this so-called parents' rights movement that's basically um, a backdoor way to kind of make public education almost untenable. Um, and so we'll jump right into it. This story is a bummer. Um, it is. A, a high school student in Grant, Michigan – won an arts contest and uh and the you know in and her prize was she got to paint a mural in the local middle school in grant middle school in grant michigan and she painted a mural and it's really cute it it has a message saying stay healthy and a bunch of little you know sort of kids uh and you know people you know of different colors and different stripes and rabbits and dogs and bears and all kinds of creatures all looking very happy and um it's very sweet it and, is. and um unfortunately some parents objected to the mural during a board of education meeting back in october because the mural has gasp some pictures of some of the figures wearing things like a trans pride flag shirt, rainbow clothes, um, a bisexual flag, and even more, uh, even more horrifying, some images that, that ostensibly promote witchcraft because there's a video game character that looks like a demon and a sort of like a evil eye hand um, that are in there. And the parents melted down could not stand that this mural, uh, which no student have, had objected to, um, that was very kind of cute and sweet. Um, the parents basically freaked out. And so... Well, don't uh, forget to mention the interspecies Pink Panther in there with the Red Cross uh, mask on, on its face. Even worse. I even know. Worse. That's as gay as you can get. And, and the thing is, where this story, you know, because like... the. The uproar about the mural was like bad enough, but where it the story kind of takes a different turn and really is part, you know, sort of goes into this issue even deeper is that the school board voted in June to cut ties with Family Health Care, which was an organization that operated a health care center within the middle school to provide free medical, dental and behavioral health care to children. And, you know, the the parents, I guess, got up in arms and, uh, you know, the school board voted to c- cut ties with this, you know, really great institution providing, you know, free care to students. Yeah. The 
Family health care um, and some other parents rightfully challenged the board's vote, and um, the board eventually approved a new contract. However, part of the negotiations of this is that in order to get this great care back for students for free, they had to agree to paint over the mural because the mural was so appalling and terrible to these parents that, you know, that it just couldn't exist anymore. The student who painted it, by the way, um, is, you know, is bummed out about it. Uh, you know, the thing is that, you know, she, I think her quote, she said something along the lines of like, I just wanted everyone to feel welcome. And it's that message was sent loud and clear by this mural. It was a sweet little thing. You know, there's a, you know, uh, one of the, the characters had a hijab on, you know, um, and various different people of different colors. And it was just, it was a sweet, and, you know, there, there were little like bears holding hypodermic needles because it was on a healthcare, you know, um, building just so cute. And it really, to me highlights, um, this parents rights thing, which, really is especially virulent when it comes to anything relating to trans and minors. But with book bans, with anything LGBTQ, with, again, witchcraft, um, all this stuff, um, it just, uh, it's, there's a broader movement in place here. There is. And as Richie and I have on many occasions on this program encouraged you that if you want to finally help break the logjam that these right-wing lunatics have created in all these different levels of elective office, there is none more pervasive with uh, homophobia, transphobia, uh, bigotry in general, uh, making dumb decisions like banning books and things like that than there is at the school board level. We need to have good candidates running for those positions because you may think, oh, it's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal because this is what future generations who are going to be taught are going to have to live through this kind of crap. I think that we need to acknowledge and give uh, kudos, however, to the Grant Public Schools superintendent of education, Brett Zuver, because he was the one who originally judged the contest for the mural. And uh, so he you know, had a part in making sure that that image got on that middle school wall. So uh, not everybody in the leadership of that school district is the bad guy, but I'm sick and tired of these uh, overzealous uh, incompetent or at the very least ignorant uh, parents who can come in and have a conniption fit over the fact that there was a transgender reference in this mm. uh, or, you know, the gay pride uh, stripes on one of the character's clothing and that kind of thing. It's just, it's, it's so ridiculous that we are dealing with this in the year 2023. Well, what it really points to, though, is is there's this broader thing and where all of this comes from this, you know, this comes out of the Christian evangelical right, especially, which does not have very fond feelings about public education, full stop. They believe uh, many people believe in homeschooling, in parochial schooling, um, and generally don't what they would like to do is to dismantle public education and Selling that's hard. 
What you can do, though, is make is you can defund by doing vouchers. You can make life so miserable for teachers and administrators that people don't even want to get into that industry and basically choke it to death. And what we're seeing here with this parents' rights movement um, is between, you know, sort of individualized care, you know, individualized approaches for each student, you know, uh, curricula need to be basically each parent needs to approve each book and each thing that each child learns because God forbid they learn something that the parent doesn't think should be learned. And it all becomes so administratively onerous that it becomes impossible to run, you know, broad civic public education properly. And so, and, and then, you know, when, when they're so hamstrung, then, you know, you see things like, and also with constant, you know, um, relentless testing and metrics-based learning, um, then you have a situation where you have administrators and teachers that just want to do a good job and are incapable of doing it because of all these fetters put on them by parents who don't even believe in the idea of public education in the first place. Are you in education or do you have a child that is currently in public schools? like to hear from you especially our phone number is area code 760-677-0111 that's 760-677-0111 if you'd like to call in and you know even if you don't have a child there uh, and you're concerned about these things because this is going to affect our society as a whole down the road uh, we'd love to hear from you on this edition of the gbc happy hour absolutely yeah no it's you know it's it it i am mindful of the fact that i'm i, I am passionate actually about education as an issue but for me it is academic not it's academic in the fact that i don't have a child and do not plan on having one but um i still think as someone who believes in you know a, a civic body politic that like you said how children are taught is how the next generation will govern and, you know, and sort of conduct themselves. And when, and, when you know, we get into our segment in a few minutes, the next segment, we're going to talk a little further uh, about this from a different angle. But I, I do want to um, say that I think people need to uh, realize that this is not just something that queers support, you know, making sure that we have uh, common sense approach to these things and and that we don't have our school districts uh, you know capitulating to this nasty right-wing rhetoric uh, and religious right rhetoric uh, all the time because it's not something that just us care about it is something that a lot of people care about throughout the community and as we'll talk about we're finding that more and more people, are getting fed up with hearing about all of this don't say gay and you know banning books and all that regardless of whether they are lgbtq or have you know don't even know anybody who is it it's still the principle uh because it is definitely one of those things that is a slippery slope kind of issue it's slippery. It's also just be, by the nature of how we've de decided to do public education in the United States, 
it's something that's hyper local, which again is why school boards matter because, you know, everything that's why, you know, race is still an issue with schooling in terms of integrating schools, <laughs> you know, many years after Brown versus board, um, because of things like, uh, aversion to busing and extremely local property tax bases for how schools get their money. And so it's a really complicated issue. And whether it's trans, you know, stuff, LGBTQ youth, um, racial equality, um, and access to good education, um, you know, special education uh, sort of uh, issues, they're all live and like they're, it's complicated. And I think, you know, we talk about it on this, on this show a fair amount because I think it is that important. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I look forward, I hope that, that folks call in and, and, you know, have opinions on this. I mean, I could go until I'm blue in the face because I think about it a lot for some weird reason, but um, we'd love to hear what other people think um, about this topic. And um, we will keep covering this uh, in the weeks to come for sure. Yep. And in the segments to come, because we're not going to be unrelenting over the next, uh, well, almost most of the remainder of this hour as we continue with the GBC Happy Hour, uh, a reminder uh, to step outside of the media spin zone sometimes. Polling is suggesting that most Americans don't want Republicans meddling in things like our education and gender-affirming care for trans people, and they want the GOP to simply knock it off. Richie Roy and Johnny Mack back with you in just a moment with more of the GBC Happy Hour, 760-677-0111. From GBC.com, this is the Happy Hour with your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack. Your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. And welcome back to the happy hour. Can we um, just say one thing? Because Howard, our voiceover god, um, actually, I need to update some stuff because that's actually one of the things I wanted to let folks know tonight on this episode is that as of now going forward and while gbc.com will continue to exist for this and other shows that we're going to be producing this program now has its own website gbchappyhour.com and there you'll start to find more stuff that Richie and I will post to that uh, that will augment the show, things that are mm-hmm. we're interested in, questions that we'll have for you to answer throughout the week. If you're listening to us as part of the podcast, where we have a new phone number. It's on that site, but it's not actually in service yet. It should be by the beginning of next week. So um, you'll be able to find a, a area code 320 number uh, that ends in 6,900. So that'll be easy to remember, right? Um, and and there's going to be a lot of other stuff. There's also a link to our new superstore to the GBC Happy Hour merch shop. 
uh, and that's available from either the gbc.com or gbchappyhour.com websites. But uh, go ahead and bookmark the gbchappyhour.com website, and with that, uh, I'll turn it back to our maestro, Richie, to take us (laughs) into the next topic. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about all these new developments. Um, I will say, though... um, before we get into the next topic, uh, I will briefly note that um, for those of you who don't know, we have a live video feed just between the hosts of the show. And um, Johnny is uh, is triggering me uh, multiple times uh, per minute because he is drinking flat water out of a soda stream bottle. And <laughs> so as many of you may not know, but I have a thing against flat water. I don't believe in it. I think it's poison. I like fizzy water only. <laughs> and so seeing him drinking flat water is just causing me um, little uh, moments of, uh, of of terror. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, on to the next topic. So this topic I really think is important because we, ta- we touched on this a little bit last time um, about over sort of media over coverage of certain things. Um, specifically, uh, trans panic in mainstream media. I mean, I think even the New York times, the Atlantic, um, and obviously right wing, uh, news quite a bit, but, um, there was recently a poll done, um, and, um, and it, and the poll was, uh, by the 19th and survey monkey. And it was a pretty big, uh, sample size. And what they found, by and large, was that people on both sides of the aisle, just regular people, believe in gender-affirming care and don't want the GOP to be meddling in gender-affirming care, in abortion, and just you know, just sort of these these lightning issues, these sort of touch, you know, these flashpoint, you know, uh, third rail issues. The GOP is is just. Uh, sort of, I think, acting in an echo chamber um, of a very small minority of people who are very worked up about these topics and are fixated on them. Um, but by and large, people who are just average voters on on both sides think that it's a distraction, it's a waste of time, um, and isn't something that really the government should be getting involved in at all. Um, you know, leave it up to individuals um, as to how they, you know, and parents and children and families and schools, how to deal with things. Um, so I thought that that was a really, um, a really interesting poll because, you know, so often you just think that um, there's this kind of left-right divide, but it's, it's not even that. It's actually something that's stoked in a certain tranche of media that likes to see these kind of wedge issues played out because they're um, because they are they you know they they uh, you know it, if it bleeds it leads as they say um, and these kind of wedge issues get people clicking and so there is a there is a tendency a media bias even in l- supposed quote left you know, left leaning or centrist media like the New York Times to cover this, to cover things in a way that causes a panic that is not actually borne out in reality. And I now have bubbles. Well, thank God. Oh, 
<laughs> I'm glad to hear that. But um, but yeah, so, you know, it it's just it's a reminder that I think a lot of us were so in our feeds you know, we're, you know, we're, we're jacked into CNN 24 seven. We're watching MSNBC. We're reading the the times We're reading the Twitters, uh, or I X's or whatever you want to call them. And there's this idea that there's this constant high level moral panic and craze going on. And by and large, people are just living their lives and we need to really, you know, kind of, uh, handicap these issues in terms of what re- what they mean in reality. Personally, I like the fact that this stuff, you know, gets whatever media play that it does and how um, these people are doing, you know, these things because with the exceptionally, without, I mean, with the exception of the exceptionally small world of Fox TV viewers and that type, Newsmax and OANN. I know people go, well, they're the most watched. Not when you look at numbers collectively. They're not. And uh, nowhere near it. They have such a minute percentage of the American population that watches television seeing them. And I think that the more that various other press outlets put on this and people realize what is really threatening our society beyond just the LGBTQ world, but including it um, I think people are getting more and more resolved to uh, put the the kind of pressure behind that tsunami that could come next November uh, when we get to the elections and maybe we'll have enough mojo to get things corrected for once and for all we continue in this vein uh, with a fun story talking about a former writer for South Park uh, who's taking on taking on Moms for Liberty. That's coming up on the GBC Happy Hour. Thanks for joining Richie, Roy, and Johnny Mac. From GBC.com, this is the Happy Hour with your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. Your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Hello, and welcome back to the happy hour. Um, Before we get into the next topic, which um, I'm excited about because it's it's so funny, but, you know, sort of to, to the topic that we talked about before in terms of media coverage and sort of creating narratives, I just, it, it got me thinking about how, um, how pissed off I am about the media created narratives. I mean, and I, and I think that it's really borne out by how polling is done and how coverage is, is doing uh, that this, this narrative that Biden is both is feckless and too old and no one wants him anymore. And that, you know, that, that, that the Democrats are going into the next election hamstrung because Biden is this liability. I'm tired of this narrative. This is confected. This is confected out of thin air. Like, I mean, yes, the messaging needs to be better for sure. But, um, you know, the, the, the president and the Democrats have been doing a lot of sort of quiet work in terms of like writing again, writing the ship that had been shipwrecked by the prior administration. And sometimes it takes time to actually fix things that are broken. 
and you look at all of the metrics and you know things are moving the the needles are moving in the right direction and especially when you look kind of generally internationally you know the US is doing really good on things like inflation uh you know unemployment you know a lot of the numbers are looking really good um inflation sucks but let me tell you this is something we were talking about a couple of nights ago and that is that where inflation is concerned, it's like people think that they're the only ones who have had to deal with inflationary uh, prices, you know, and, and the cost of living. And that's horse crap because there are people who live all around the world who've got it a hell of a lot worse than us. And you look at where we sit on the world index for even with the rise in gas prices again, um, our gas prices are not at the top of of that. Now, they're not anywhere near the bottom, but the bottom countries are the ones that are actually oil producers, big oil producers. And uh, I, I'm so sick and tired of people thinking that somehow the president of the United States is the one who controls what happens to their pocketbook when that is not the case. It's never been the case. If anything, it's corporate America. Right. And, and, you know, and the thing is why this pisses me off is because there's a reason why this narrative exists in all mass media. And I'm talking I'm not talking about Fox News. I'm talking about things like the New York Times, MSNBC, CNN, you know, The Atlantic, The New Republic, whatever, um, is because what actually benefits them is a tight race, a toss up. Um, you know, a, you know, a not runaway election, something that's scary and that get, keeps people clicking and reading more. And so they're doing the, They're confecting a narrative early on to create a horse race. Yeah. And the thing is, for the benefit of democracy, they should be actually covering what's really happening, which is a lot of very good structural changes or, you know, sort of shoring up of the economy and of like our culture and our democratic mores and cover that except that's boring and so instead what they're trying to do is focus on biden's age on hunter on you know on people being tired of him and also then they just generally like as a dodge not talk about biden but just say is it when are you too old to govern? And sure, that's a fine question. But you can tell that what they're really getting at is Biden. And it's it, it's infuriating to me. because Why, why is it not as practical to ask that same question about the leading candidate for 2024 for the Republican Party? He's 77 years old. He's only four I, years I, younger. I, exactly. Exactly. It's a... That's a great point, but you know, but that's not being asked. No. In fact, the it's the opposite. What they keep saying is, is like he's a dynamo, he's an energizer bunny. You can't believe it, but he just can't be stopped. That's the narrative that they're running with. Because again, it leads towards a horse race and of you know what tired I look at? old. And this is this is why the only news channel I watch anymore, for the most part, is MSNBC because they aren't spinning all of that. Uh, crap! They are telling what's really happening, and uh, you know when you think about what he has had to accomplish. First of all, with the turnaround in jobs after the pandemic. Second of all, with uh, 
you know, bringing down deaths and getting America vaccinated played a huge role there. Certainly, uh, the former president did not do much of a job in terms of getting, you know, his side uh, to accept the fact even that that they were going to save lives, millions of lives, if they got vaccinated. Um, then you look at the economy and the fact that inflation has dropped dramatically over the last two years. And then you get into things that he promised but he couldn't do because it was the other side who fought him on it, which was stuff like the uh, financial relief for students who had student loans uh, where they were going to forgive uh, what up to ten thousand for though for most and and up to twenty thousand for those who had Pell grants I think, um, you know there have been any number of situations he promised we heard all about in the former administration about all the infrastructure stuff stuff that they were going to get done what did they get done in that administration they built fifty miles of wall on the southern border fifty miles fifty miles that's like barely a city, and, well, then, and, and you saw images of the of the of that shoddily built wall literally being yeah. blown over by wind. Right, and then when it came to handling infrastructure issues, the current administration, what have they done? Exactly what they promised. They begun putting in uh, internet infrastructure, high speed internet infrastructure uh, across the United States, and especially in places where it didn't exist at all. They've also started building roads and bridges and repairing things that are important to commerce moving in America every day. They have dealt with um, labor issue after labor issue. And while not all of that has been resolved, it's certainly a lot better off than it was under an administration and control by a party that was very labor unfriendly. You know, there's but, just so many things, the checklist you can go down and keep checking off all these things that this administration said, we're going to do this, and they've done it. And so, but unfor- unfortunately, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around, and I think part of it is, again, those doing good government is boring. Like people, what people want, people would rather pay attention to Lauren Boebert jacking someone off in Beetlejuice than paying attention to new airports being built. Like, you know, and I'm sorry, but like at the end of the day, good governance is is not as exciting as Lauren Boebert jacking someone off in a theater and vaping. Like, but you have to pay attention to reality if you actually care about this, about this country and things being done. And so you get an undue amount of tension being paid to the Lauren Boberts, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Matt Gateses, these, you know, these saber rattling idiots yeah. um, that take up all the oxygen. And then, you know, you have poor Pete Buttigieg standing out there on a fly strip, you know, out in Ames, Iowa, trying to explain how they're building a new terminal. But no one fucking cares because they're they're too excited by the TikTok you know, like sort of, you know, flies attention span garbage. Yeah. Anyway, I can't uh, argue (laughs) with you on any of that. I mean, it's, it's, it's just infuriating how ignorant uh, most people in our society are because, you know, it's, you know, if, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. Yeah. 
Yeah. And this actually, so to tie back into the subject at hand that we were going to talk about, this is actually where humor does actually come in. Because um, there's a former South Park writer who has taken aim at Moms for Liberty, which we've talked about at length on this show, who are, you know, behind the book bands, behind the anti-trans stuff at schools, and has created a satirical website, Moms for Liberties, and uh, which has like a little Adolf Hitler kind of logo on it, and is basically a satirical Moms for Liberties website, you know, sort of in the onion style of satire, making fun of Moms for Liberty and kind of, you know, I think bringing uh, light to this Moms for Liberty, which I think that they're trying to stay a little bit below the radar. Um, you know, they're 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 placing people in local school, you know, school boards and school districts and stuff. But I think that they're not they're not they're hoping to not get recognized for being as evil as they are. And so to have someone kind of bring the attention of the left to this particular astroturf group um, is it's fun. It's fun and it's it's well deserved. Indeed. And. I don't know. I, I I just think all of these guys deserve to be ridiculed. You know, I mean, all of these uh, anti-American, that's what I'm going to call them. They're not pro-American um, people who have created so much havoc in our world because of their intolerance. And so I think that since the thing, you know, entertainment and humor is what gets the attention. Mm-hmm. Of the American psyche, and I think that that's really important to have to have that. I mean, it's I know you don't like him, but it's one of the reasons I really like Andy Borowitz uh, postings each each day because uh, his satire of you know everyday situations that we're all sick and tired of dealing with um, give me uh, a momentary chuckle. You know, and just get right. tired well, of the well, serious the delivery is, of the news. I think what 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 sort of satirical political humor does that's really valuable is it crystallizes the issue. It just takes it takes it and it, it boils it down to the essence of why it's ridiculous yeah. and why it's worth it. It's worth almost just. Um, you know, as you said, ridicule. It's it should be a point of fun. It it takes the power away because there are these sort of fearsome things that become scary and are kind of big. And then they just basically kind of Wizard of Oz open the curtain and they're like, This is fucking ridiculous and silly. <laughs> and um and that is a really valuable thing. And that's actually why, you know, so often um humor humorists can be very brave. I mean, when you look at things like um uh, you know, Stephen Colbert at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, um, you know, just ripping everyone to shreds, you know, right. and and just kind of, uh, you know, and and it's why when you see, uh, you know, when you see in sort of autocratic regimes, one of the first things they do is they, they crack down on things like making fun of or speaking ill of, you know, the person in charge, you know, like the Thai king or whatever, like you can't say boo about that because 
they know that words matter and humor matters and making fun of someone can actually be devastating. I mean, you know, when you look at someone like even like back in the day, President Ford, you know, I think part of why President Ford was was sort of a little bit ineffectual was because of things like, you know, was it Saturday Night Live? They presented him as this bumbling, you know, tripping over his own feet kind of person. Right. Especially after the incident uh, in Colorado where they went skiing and I think there was an issue with the ski lift. But, <laughs> uh, you know, but I mean, certainly our more current presidents have had similar uh, stumbles, shall we say. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and it, I honestly think that it makes them human to see that kind of stuff happen. You know, I kind of wish they wouldn't get torn apart for it. But we live in a country where... Barack Obama got torn apart for wearing a tan suit one time. And I'm like, what the F, you know? I mean, seriously. Oh, that, I mean, right. I mean, well, there was the tan suit. There was also um, the, you know, there was an image of him with his feet up on the Resolute desk. And there was a melt, a, a little brief meltdown. You know, of course, that, uh, belies the the fact that there's like literally been pictures of every single president before Barack Obama kicking their heels up on the resolute desk. Yeah. But because it was a you know a, a black Democratic president with his feet up on the desk, he was somehow you know taking a shit on the flag by right. doing so. Uh, the double standards we live by in the United States of America. Well, listen, we're going to talk about somebody who made a huge contribution in the early half of the 20th century to baseball while some guys were off at war. And uh, and we're going to talk about how she's being celebrated. She's still alive, and it's a pretty cool story. Uh, Mabel Blair is next on our lineup of discussion. For this edition of the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy, I'm John. Mac- I'm Johnny Mac, and hope you have a great week. We're gonna continue in just a moment. Call us 760-677-0111. It's not always laughter and games on the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy and Johnny Mac, but when it is. You'll know when it's time to cut them off. Now, back to the beer pong. Uh, I mean show. Boys? <laughs> I like that little intro. I like The music has sort of a video game vibe to it. I, that's a fun one. Yeah. Well, speaking of fun, uh, I don't know. Did you ever watch... Well, first there was the movie several years ago produced by uh, Penny Marshall. Um, a league of their own, and then there was a series on Netflix uh, that was produced, and uh, Rosie O'Donnell, I think, was in that, and there were some others uh, who I think were tied to the original production, but in some different roles, and that, of course, was a film and a series that uh, depicted something from real life, which was this uh, girls' baseball league. The uh, uh, let me make sure I say it correctly. 
it was the AAGPBL, which um, stands for uh, the American, or I'm sorry, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And one of the players was with the Peoria Red Wings. Her name is Mabel Blair. And um, she decided to come out of the closet at the age of 95 a year ago. She's 96 now. And uh, and she did this during the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City. And, uh, you know, she's been an... Uh, advocate for uh, the legacy of the AAG PBL uh, and its players for quite some time and uh, I'm sorry I said it was on uh, Netflix it was on Amazon Prime Mm. Uh, they had a league of their own and she is the uh, founding director emeritus of the International Women's Baseball Center which is based out of Rockford, Illinois and they had a um, news conference, uh, I think it was a week ago today, at City Field in New York. Uh, she was scheduled to throw out the first pitch before the Mets game with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Mets, uh, they are celebrating uh, her and, and giving her an award. Um, it's they say that it's fitting that uh, she'll be honored with this inaugural Amazing Mets Foundation Legacy Award. And I think that's really cool. I mean, she didn't come out till she was 95 years old. And that's still a big deal. Better late than never, I say. And boy, does she look, uh, you know, even though I think she's uh, carrying or walking with a cane or maybe just that's just the baseball bat, uh, she looks like she's in in pretty good shape and for 96 she's uh she's looking pretty rocking there she kind of reminds me of a <laughs> of a gray-haired howard stern <laughs> with her glasses on but um i think this yeah is she's, a really a cool story. she's a badass yeah. like le- like legitimately cool and she's you know she has been committed for a long time to advocacy for women's ba- baseball full stop um and I love. I just. I just think it's so cool. Um, yeah, like that. That she came out so late in life, but um, you know, and did so you know publicly and sort of joyously, and is just kind of, uh, kind of like bringing visibility to you know, just all kinds of things. Um, like it's just. It's just. It's just a generally heartwarming story. And it also, to go back to something we've talked about on this show before, men's sports get it together. Women's yeah. sports, there are so much more queer visibility, even with, you know, older players and, you know, and players going back for decades. Um, but men's I'm, sports. I, I'm glad though, that because obviously this recognition is coming from major league baseball, which is an yeah. all male thing now. And um, and if you don't know the story about how the women came to, uh, or these girls as they called them then, uh, came to play uh, in this in these leagues, uh, it was back during World War II, and it's really worth your while to see uh, at least the movie because it's humorous, of course, too, um, and it's a part of our history. 
And yeah. you got to know that there were a lot of those girls who uh, liked other girls. So um, the HRC National Dinner had her as a, one of their guests last year in Washington, D.C. And, and uh, there's a photograph with one of the stories uh, at outsports.com, our friend Sid Ziegler's uh, publication um, that was written by Ken Schultz. And in that story, there's a really uh, great photograph of her uh, taking her batting stance at the HRC National Dinner in front of a step and repeat. So uh, go check that out if you get a chance, outsports.com. And her name again is Mabel Blair. And uh, she's getting the New York Mets Legacy uh, Award. So good for her. But I... It is good. And the thing is, why I think it's important, though, like to, to just to kind of like keep keep the the gas on the pedal about LGBTQ representation in sports generally um, is because there are some things like I'm not a sports fan. Like I, I just it's not something that interests me, but I recognize that um, there are certain cultural institutions that draw a lot of different types of people together. And, you know, one, one example is, for instance, the importance of um, integration of the military. It's hugely imp- it was hugely important when the military was integrated racially. And I think hugely important when the military was integrated with LGBTQ folks as well. Because you have people of all different backgrounds, geographically, socioeconomically, all different stripes, racially, whatever you have it. Um, all in one place, all doing something together. And when you add people to the mix there, you, you're rubbing shoulders with people who you might have thought you had differences with that you're forced to realize you have similarities with. Yeah. And I think that's really important in the armed forces. And I think you could make the same case that it's the same thing in professional sports. A lot of people feel ties to their geographic, you know, their, their local team, whether it's a WNBA team an NBA team, the NFL team, you know, the baseball team, whatever it is. Um, and so if there's more inclusion, um, you have a chance to cut through like sort of demographic differences that, and, and actually sort of lead to a lot more, I think, cohesion, um, and frankly, I think that, you know, there, it's one of the things that in terms of gender equity, why it's really important that there's been a lot of push in women's soccer. And I think even with the WNBA towards pay parity, because right. there should be, there should be an equality between the, you know, if Sacramento has a, an NBA and a WNBA team, one shouldn't be this kind of, you know, rump this kind of like, you know, scraps team because women care about sports just like men care about sports, just as non-binary folks care about sports. And so I think that, you know, th- the fact that um, that she came out late in life and has been advocating for women's baseball. And I think it's just the more voices towards integration and inclusion in sports the better because like with the armed forces you get a lot of people across a lot of different spectrums that care about this particular type of thing i'm going to say something and people aren't going to like it that's controversial based on something you just said but 
while I think that there are some sports where um, women's sports and men's sports should have equal compensation scales, um, let's be real that men's football and baseball and basketball have enormous, enormous television contracts that put a lot of money into those franchises and those leagues. And that's why they can do the kind of uh, salary uh, caps that they can that they are able to meet uh, in those sports. And women's sports, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have the same following, but they just by nature, even though they do have stuff that's broadcast, they don't get the same kind of coverage, and therefore they don't have the same kind of contracts with the sports TV networks or the general TV networks. And so being able to pay on that same level, even though they play in the same arenas, they play the same length of a game, they play just as hard, and they're just as fun to watch and you know support, um, I think it's near impossible to um, pay them, uh, you know, fairly the same uh, when you don't have that element of income coming in for their leagues. Yeah, I mean this this gets to where I'm I'm you know like I I suddenly am you know president for the day and I just just banish all you know, male professional sports because the amount of money that sloshes around could really go better elsewhere. But (laughs) that's a conversation for a different time. (laughs) Yes. Well, we're going to continue with another hour of the GBC Happy Hour. That's coming up next. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, alt-right influencer in the social media space. Uh, I don't know if you know him. I didn't know a thing about him until Richie brought this story to me. Attention. Um, and considering who and what he is, I don't know why I'd give a crap. But his name is Sneeko, and he has gotten some young men in Miami worked up and, well, being phobes. Stay with us. More to come. And don't forget, we have our expert in the mixology department coming up. I bet you didn't know professional shows could use the F word. Well, it depends on which ones you're talking about. On the Gay BC Happy Hour, we roll with the times. For instance, Johnny loves fantastic, far out, and even an occasional fuck. Richie, he's okay with fella, fuddy-duddy, and occasionally fist, depending on what you do with it. But they both draw the line at fag, because in fact, God does love fags. And Fred Phelps found out when he got to hell. Here are your F-bombs, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Hello, and welcome to the second hour of the happy hour. Happy hours, I guess. We have have something to celebrate about at the beginning of this hour. Uh, The New York Times today published that Rupert Murdoch is going to retire finally. Uh, but he's leaving Fox and News Corp to his son, Lachlan. But, you know, it'll be more of the yeah. same. But at least the uh, old carpet baker from Australia is stepping down. Uh, it's his time to die. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. To the glue factory with that one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of, of right wing influencers, I mean, if, if you want to talk about, I mean, Sneeko is, is 
peanuts compared to Rupert Murdoch. Um, I mean, if you if you want to think about the coarsening of the culture, if you want to think about really um, the architect of our current democratic demise. Is he a friend um, of Ye's? What? Is he a friend of Ye? You know, Kanye? Oh, probably. I mean, who? yeah, I mean, I'm sure he wears his, you know, his Ye sneaks or whatever. But Maybe they get together no. and have a circle jerk with... Uh, uh, that guy Elon. who ran for governor down in uh, in Georgia, uh, the football player. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, the one who ran, uh, not for governor, ran for senator uh, against uh, Warnock this past term. Uh, uh, what was his name? He's the nutty college football player that, uh, well, I think he even played in the NFL for a while, but um, was completely a right-wing, Trump-loving, oh. dumb F, you know? <laughs> I don't know. But so this next this next segment, um, I saw this, and, and I don't know who Sneeko is. And I don't necessarily think that nece- that Sneeko is it himself that important, but it is endemic. Um, and so the, basically the story here is there's this alt-right influencer named Sneeko, you know, kind of like an Andrew Tate sort of character. He has, you know, 100 zillion followers online. And he, um, you know, he posts videos that are inflammatory and trollish. And he recently posted a video of himself interacting with young male fans of his at a Miami Marlins game. And these young men were just, um, you know, I think obviously trying to um, impress Sneeko with how with their misogynistic, transphobic and, you know, basically kill gays type comments. And it just got me thinking about how. What are like sort of, you know. We exist in a social media world now. Um, TikTok is extremely influential. You know, I just read an article about how TikTok is actually really influencing the cookbook industry. That there are people who, you know, start out making, uh, who, you know, who start out doing baking, you know, videos on TikTok that get six and seven figure contracts to do uh, cookbooks with major publishers. Um, and so, you know, through Instagram, through TikTok, through YouTube, you have these people with immense audiences. And what you have especially is this certain virulent strain of alt-right, woman-hating, gay-hating young men who have – who put content that is, you know, quote, red pill or whatever that's very attractive to certain wayward, you know, incel-minded young men – who eat it up, who lap this stuff up and, um, you know, who are playing, you know, video games that, that, you know, valorize violence. Um, I mean, I'm not anti-video game, but, you know, they're, they're sort of bathing. Come on now, in, admit it, you are. Uh, well, that's a different topic. Well, that's <laughs> next segment. But, but no, but they're bathing in this kind of miasma of violence and hatred uh, through their various media consumption. And what do we what do we make with the fact that our current world um, creates a space where you can be a you know twelve to eighteen or twenty one year old ma- man who can choose his media diet to be 
uh, Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, Sneeko, and all of these kind of, uh, you know, essentially antisocial um, and misogynistic, transphobic, homophobic jerks um, and just be kind of radicalized into this into this world and find other fellow travelers, you know, on Reddit on Twitter or X or whatever. Um, like, what do we make of this? There's no, you know, we, we live in a world where there's, there's, it's a consequence free space for shameless, constant trolling um, yeah. by people who make a lot, by the way, make a lot of money on this. Um, by the way, so, yeah. my, uh, my AI boyfriend, uh, Mr. Google um, was, able to tell me that the person I was thinking of and I was spacing out on was Herschel Walker and uh, when we were talking earlier. But I'm sick and tired of seeing people of color who should be more aware uh, on on a lot of these things, um, you know, getting caught up in this kind of uh, discriminatory and hateful behavior. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, to to go back to what we were, you know, the, the alt-right world that we're kind of talking about in this segment, you know, you have folks who are involved with the Proud Boys who are of who are who are non-white, including you know. the the former leader now, the one who's right. in prison, who's right. Hispanic. Right. I think he just doesn't admit it. He's like this guy I used to produce uh, or be executive producer of a talk show, and he passes for being very um, uh, Caucasian-looking, mm-hmm. but he's half Mexican, and he has done everything, including, I later found out, changing his legal name to a very uh, white name um, wow. to get rid of his passed as a um, name that ended in Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Self-loathing I just, I, you stuff know, it, is crap. It just, you know, I don't have an, I don't think there's, there's an answer necessarily to the, the question I'm posing, but it's more, I think it's an exploration of like, what is the, you know, as people who care about society, um, you know, and, and who want to combat antisocial behavior, um, what do we do about the fact that there are these immensely influential alt-right, uh, basically sociopaths who are influencing a lot of people towards their really half, you know, sort of just melted brain, brainworm thoughts? How do you combat that? I don't know. I mean, this goes back to I think one of my one of my little soapbox things, which is um, I think that with young folks there should be a very robust civics education, and part of civics education is media literacy training and learning that not everything you hear online is true. Um, that sometimes you know things that are very. Uh, um, things that seem very uh, compelling are actually just packaged bullshit. Um, because, you know, when you look at someone like a Jordan Peterson or like an Andrew Tate, they're very compelling. You know, they, they say things in a very confident tone. I mean, to that, to that 
you know, and Donald Trump, same thing. They they say absolute garbage and absolute, you know, just word salad in a way that sounds very beguiling. And to someone who's kind of tilling around and seeking clarity, that seems like an answer. And it, you know, to go back even to the our earlier topic about, you know, um, boredom, good government boredom, is that complicated that reality and real life and reality is complicated and is does not lend itself to bumper sticker answers so what you have is people seeking very simple clear cut black and white answers and what they find are answers in people like sneeko or andrew tate or jordan peterson or whatever who have very prescriptive ideas for young impressionable men how to act and how to behave and a lot of those prescriptions are misogynistic homophobic and transphobic um but you know do we how do we combat how do we combat that do we do we do the same thing do we do we have try to sort of cut through the the complicated stuff and just be clear. I mean, how do we get, how do we get to these people? It's, it just, it just strikes me as a big issue because, um, you know, there is, and this is a man problem. This is a male, this is a problem with young men specifically, um, who are beguiled by, um, these kind of red pill, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth that no one wants you to hear zero sum game type of people who say, you know, uh, things used to be better in the past. Men were in control of their domain. They had great jobs that paid well. Now, with the current workforce, men can't get good jobs anymore. And you know, and women have, you know, women have control over their bodies and control over the pocketbook and just all of this stuff that, that just is very retrograde. Um, but to someone who's, you know, uh. 18 years old and and like I can't find a g- good job or whatever it's they're like okay this makes sense yes let's roll things back um and like let me let me lay in bed with this racist homophobe uh misogynist cretin um I just I just really struggle with apart from saying like well let's just shut down social media tomorrow um wh- how to deal with this problem need I'm looking, I'm looking, I see Johnny. I feel like you, you always have the answer to the question. So I, I'm looking, I'm looking to you for guidance here. No, I, I think I've imparted all the wisdom that I can impart <laughs> for the most part tonight, but, um, I don't know. I just, you know, there comes a point when your head just wants to explode off your shoulders dealing with these kinds of people and issues and you um, I mean I'm grateful for the fact that I don't while I do have to be exposed to a lot of them um, I don't have to know or interact with many people who are like that mm-hmm. and um, I mean I've certainly had my share of dealing with sociopaths in my life and that that's a pretty hard thing to experience but you know this goes beyond that um it because they have 
some sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're just, some of these guys don't believe what they say. I mean, I put, you know, from my own industry, I put guys like um, Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck in that same pool. They are huge troublemakers. They have disrupted uh, the American, uh, America's ability to think for itself and to not be, you know, caught up in rhetoric that uh, makes them say and do things to other people that they should never even think about, that they're not born with that, you know, way of being. It's not in their DNA. It's something that's completely taught. And um, and yet, uh, I have a friend who was uh, one of the coaches, the on-air coaches to Mr. Beck, uh, who I happen to have been friends with when we were both in our late teen years. And I have to say, I first of all, never would have thought that Glenn would have turned out the way he is and espousing the kind of crap that he does. But... Some years back, maybe about 10, 12 years ago, my friend who had been one of his mentors told me about getting a phone call from him while he was on a business trip over in Lisbon, Portugal. And it was middle of the night over there because it was earlier in the day, of course, back here in the U.S. And that Glenn said to him, I think I've gone too far. I I can't reel it back in because the people I've been talking to have drunk the Kool-Aid. And now if I try and go back and swallow some of my words, I'm going to be ridiculed and I'm not going to be able to be successful because now all of my audience is all of these nitwits. Right. Well, it's it's that you should know. It's like, I mean, it's it's the negative feedback loop. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with, um, you know, how what I what I've gathered, and maybe I'm wrong, but what I've gathered just reading um, pieces about Tucker Carlson is that Tucker Carlson was a, you know, is it he's a scion of a you know rich family, you know, a silver spoon in his mouth, kind of, you know, um, you know, like a, a gadfly. Yeah. Um, but who made his gravy in peddling garbage and got a lot of acclaim and a lot of followers for doing so. And when you, over a period of years, it becomes a feedback loop that encourages you to continue down a path. Yeah. And I think you see that with a lot of these, I mean, you know, it, it's a, a lot of it is I think kind of, um, it's like psychology 101, you know, it's like Pavlovian response you get you get a certain positive response and you want more of it um yeah well i think whether it's tucker carlson or sneeko that basically you have to live with the person you decided to be especially when you decided not to do something about it at any point along the way until the wheels came off the bus so uh you know, I know that they probably were not taught to be those people. And 
that's on them. And, you know, the sooner we evacuate the earth of them, the better. We'll continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy. I'm Johnny Mack. And coming up, we're going back to merry old England and talking about <laughs> the transphobes because we love to deal with transphobes. You're listening to the happy hour with your hosts Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. <laughs> yes, welcome back. Um, fireworks and all, fireworks and all. Um, <laughs> hello, we like to be patriots. <laughs> I mean, the real, yeah, thing. I mean, so. Uh, this is yeah okay this is a thing that you know this is a topic that we that we can go on uh in a different segment but i agree with you i think um you know one of the things that's always been kind of um paramount for me is patriotism means you expect better of that you want things to improve um and that you hold you hold something that you care about to account whether it's a person, if it's a person that you love, you hold them to account and you want them to be better and you want them to be the best that they can be. Same with a country. Um, and so the idea that a country is this sort of static, I static thing that, um, you just have to believe is great. Um, that's, that's some kind of evangelical bullshit that I just am not part of. Um, and I, I really do think that, um, patriotism is holding is is really an active process of holding a country to account to be better, and I think that you know I think that's what we try to do on this show. I think um, is to I think you know is you know I'm you know my 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 trainer is currently in uh, Europe and he's sending me these pictures <laughs> pictures from Paris and Berlin and whatever and it looks so cool there, but um, you know. I'm I'm not I'm not planning on heading out anytime soon. I'm sticking around here and trying to make this place that I love better. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm all for our little fireworks intro. <laughs> um, I love it. So uh, me too. So uh, we spoke momentarily uh, about the fact that we were heading across the pond and going to be talking about issues of transphobia and such in mm -hmm. merry old England. Yes, so, yes, it doesn't just rear its head here. No, apparently so, they're having a hissy fit over there. Uh, similarly to how people did here over the whole trans advertising campaign uh, model or, you know, person uh, with Bud Light. And now it's they they're all up in a fluff. <laughs> a female to male trans person uh, depicted in a f uh, in a ad for Braun brand razors. Yeah, yeah. So there was an ad in Britain where there was a trans man shaving as trans men do. 
because trans men have fucking beards and mustaches and body hair and the rest. Um, and the transphobes are going nuts. Um, they are threatening to boycott Braun. Um, you know, they, they're, they're, you know, uh, filing complaints about the ad. Um, and this, it's not the first time I, I, there's something weird here because I feel like it's about sh- shaving must bring some be, have some kind of like weird cultural valence or something that I'm not aware of because, um, there was, a uh, in August, transphobes threatened to boycott Harry's for a video that they posted uh, just a video showing a trans man shaving. And there was even, I remember blowback a number of years ago, I think Gillette had an ad with a dad, um, uh, teaching their trans son how to shave. And that got some blowback too. So there's something about these shaving, this, like I get shaving just seems to like cause some kind of like, extreme moral panic um i mean i guess i'm trying to think why this is um i guess it's kind of intimate uh it's it's about bodies it's very much about kind of human bodies and the and i i guess there's also been like like there's a lot of stuff you know when i think about it (laughs) shaving is weird because i don't know if you like had the same thing but um there was that thing where when you were of a certain age Gillette would send, send like sent. I think when you signed up for um, selective service, um, you got like a Gillette razor in the mail. Like all because, you know, you had to sign up for selective service, uh, you know, the draft basically before you were the age of 18. I think it I think it was. I think I don't think it's the case any longer, but I think Gillette somehow (laughs) got the, the the mail rolls because they would, you would get a a razor in the mail and part of it was, you know, locking you into the Gillette system. So I think razor or shaving has some kind of weird cultural importance that like is beyond. Well, I just remember in the seventies, maybe early eighties that, um, it had a different kind of revolution because there was one guy who loved the company so much, he did all of his TV commercials talking about how he bought the company. And that was... Um, Remington? Uh, Remington, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, his name is Victor Kayam, I think. And his with slogan... The, with the foil razors, the right? slogan was, uh, I love the com- or I love the product so much I bought the company. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Um I do think that there is there is something weird something weird culturally about shaving. Like I want to actually like I hadn't thought about it until we started talking about it during the show right now. But I kind of want to do a little bit of a deep dive because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff about shaving. There's a lot of, for instance, um, extreme brand stickiness with shaving. Um, so you know, I remember when I you know when I was a teenager. Um, Got my first Gillette, and I was a Gillette person for years. Yeah, me too. Well, we, will. we have more coming your way. Um, coming up, we're going to be talking about companies and products and their services that we like to consume 
or that we recommend you run the hell away from. <laughs> uh, it is the KBC Happy Hour Seal of Approval coming up. And if you want to join in, you have products or you know any, any sort of business with a service that you want to recommend, you're welcome to do that. 760-677-0111. 760-677-0111. Don't touch that connection. From GayBC.com, this is the Happy Hour with your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack. Your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. How do you feel? You want to go get a sarsaparilla? I love, you know, I honestly love a good sarsaparilla. I love a sarsaparilla. I love a birch beer. All that, that whole family of delicious sodas I'm all for. Well, we're going to kind of get into the beverages in our next segment. That's when we head to the School of Mixology that we have here at the GBC Happy Hour. And um, and I'll let you know again that right now we're going to get into talking about other kinds of products and services that we love or that you absolutely loathe. Those are fair game too. 760-677-0111. Our phone number is on the gbchappyhour.com website. You can find it there. And I also want to take just a moment to say that we were kind of hasty in getting it up, but um, I know that's not usually what we say about that topic here, but um, the store is up, our shop, for Mm -hmm. all the GBC Happy Hour merch that we have brought back. We had a, a store for just a little while, and then we found out that we screwed things up so bad that we were getting charged more money than what we were actually making. Um, so uh, we had to get that correct, and we went with another uh, outlet, uh, one that most people are very familiar with because millions of people are selling things with the, their designs on it, uh, Cafe Press. But if you go to cafepress.com slash Hour. Uh, that will get you to the store as well. But you can also click on the link uh, of the image that shows you a number, not all, but a number of the items from ranging from cum towels or cum rakes to <laughs> to uh, <laughs> laundry bags uh, and shirts and jackets, hoodies, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, you can get a ball cap as well. So uh, find your favorite thing and go show your colors and, and your appreciation and your love for this show. We'd love to have you sporting our colors. Absolutely. Okay. So where are you this week with your top recommendation to our audience of <laughs> products that they should absolutely have? Right. Okay. So I have two, I have two and one, I will, I'm trying to figure out which one I want to talk about more, but, um, the one of them, okay, well, I'll go. One of them is I have, I have been totally snowed by Instagram ads for fancy olive oils. 
So there are a couple brands specifically, Graza and Brightland, who who uh, advertise quite heavily on Instagram. And Graza, their claim to fame is that they have squeezable bottles of olive oil that are single. Um, it's from a single source in Spain, Piqual olives, which apparently have a high smoke point so you can use it for frying and stuff. I bought that uh, a few few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. It's fantastic. They are amazing olive oils. They're, they have one that's for cooking and one that's for finishing. Both are fantastic. And then Brightland is based in California, and they they source their olives, I believe, all from from artisanal, you know, sort of small batch olive producers in California. And I just today received um, my shipment of Brightland. I got two different varieties plus a uh, an olive oil that has lemon oil as well in it, mm. and uh, actually a couple of vinegars from them as well, which the vinegars are delightful i just tasted them in my hand and i just like i could drink them but um i have to say the they're kind of great because i love i mean olive oil is really a fantastic product but in the past it's been really hard to figure out which ones are good and which ones aren't and you know where they're from you know there's a lot of times there's sort of sourcing questions um things will say packaged in italy but really what that means is that they get olives from across the Mediterranean that are all packed in Italy. Um, you know, sometimes it'll say, you know, you don't know when it's how fresh it is. Um, so there's a lot of kind of questions as to provenance and, um, you know, varieties and stuff with with olive oil. And you, you're sort of at the whim of your local store. If you, your local store has just Filippo Berrio or Bertoli, you're kind of stuck with crappy commodity olive oil. But if they have some fancier ones, you're like, well, what does this mean? I, I don't know if this is good or not. And you know, you kind of just go based on the price and kind of how cute the packaging looks. But these Instagram, you know, kind of like very, uh, you know, 21st century brands are very forward about which varieties, where they're, where they're harvested from, when they're harvested, how they should be used, and they taste absolutely incredible so i'm i'm really a big fan of these and i think i would love to see you know more kind of instagram or you know more of these kind of um, products that are just really high quality and really taking an industry whether it's something like wine or oil or cheese that you know are these kind of traditional hidebound industries that can be very opaque and making them a little clearer. So I love that. But the second one that I was going to just throw in there is um, because we didn't get a chance to talk about it this week, but it's something that I'm really obsessed about. Wait, before you is, move on, can you share yeah. the websites for those? Yeah. So if you just Google Graza, G-R-A-Z-A, um, their site will come up. Um, I think it's like Get Graza or something is the actual website. But G-R-A-Z-A is Graza. I recommend that one as a great starter because it, their price point is actually kind of low. Um, it's very high quality and very affordable. Brightland, which if you Google Brightland olive oil, you'll come on their site, is a little bit more expensive, um, but is also fantastic. Um, I think if I were to recommend one over the other, I would recommend Graza just because the price to 
usability to flavor ratio is kind of perfect. Brightland's a little bit a little bit more like next level, but both are fantastic and they look beautiful too. <laughs> My preference in olive oils uh, and vinegars uh, is solely centered around largely the fact that I love to dip bread in in it and eat you know eat it that way as a you know snack um but also uh really is about my ability to um use olive oil for my salad dressings and change things up all the time uh with the different vinegars uh with them but i like really nice uh, oils and vinegars and and so we have a great would, shop here locally called all of a sudden and huh. and it's uh, i'll take you there when you're here in uh, palm springs later this year but it's uh it's always fun to go shopping for olive oils yeah and i would for you I'd, i would recommend for you brightland um because they actually have vinegars too their their champagne vinegar i drank I drank it out of my palm like a hummingbird at a hummingbird feeder. It was so delicious and so tangy and, and great. And, and um, you know, they have, I think they have one called like a, alive and awake, but like one of them, is, one of the olive oils is super grassy and peppery. Mm. Like it would be great in like a dressing, yeah. um, you know? So yeah, I, I, I love, I, I have a little library of olive oils and vinegars that, um, over time the vinegars became depleted. I actually have some of my own vinegars that I've made, mm. um, which are very jealously guarded because, um, I just have little bits of them. Um, but they are so good. And actually the, okay, here's a, here's another little recommendation. Bragg's apple cider vinegar. It's a, you can buy it at any health food store. It's great, but it comes with the mother is in the vinegar, which is like the, the thing that makes more vinegar. And so what you can do is you can take any, like a, a wine bottle that's empty, pour in, you know, half a cup of, or, you know, a third of a cup or whatever of the Bragg's apple cider vinegar. And then you pour in wine, whatever wine that you didn't finish from the night before, you can keep topping it off. And the mother of the vinegar eats the wine, and you can make your own wine vinegar at home. Hmm. And it's delicious. Yeah, I think we actually have some of the, um, that in the fridge because my other half was directed that that uh, was a necessary ingredient to helping him, although he still hasn't, pass a kidney stone. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, you said you had another item. Oh, yeah. This is a real quickie. Uh, I'm just going to say this just to be just because I'm feeling bratty. But the other <laughs> thing I'm going to recommend is immigration because all of this talk, there's been like, again, a media drumbeat about immigrant, you know, about immigration, people coming to New York City, um, you know, immigrants at the southern border, whatever this quote, you know, immigration crisis. I read it, you know, I re read a thing that just reminded me that the number of people that were processed through Ellis Island from Italy, you know, at the sort of height of the Italian immigration just dwarfs the number of people that are coming into this country currently. And we 
we're a country of immigrants and we are capable, we, we have an economy that is capable of absorbing people who are coming from desperate situations, political, you know, sort of failed political regimes, um, places of extreme poverty, places of, of political upheaval. Um, and I just, I, I can't believe that no, that there are, there's not more pushback even you know amongst the new york times is the atlantics the msnbc's or whatever this narrative that we can't absorb immigrants that are coming here seeking legitimate asylum it it just boggles my mind because this country is built on huge influxes of people who moved because of economic and social and political upheavals so uh, that's my other recommendation is immigration I don't understand the form of recommendation of it, though. Well, that we should be accepting and and actually like putting resources towards welcoming our new American cohorts. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Got it. It's not like something you can buy. Here, let me buy your immigration. So. <laughs> No, it's not. No. I, and again, I was just being kind of a little bit pissy with that <laughs> recommendation just because I'm I'm just irritated that, you know, when you look at the covers of the newspapers, when I go to the gas station in the morning to get my, you know, iced coffee, there's just, you know, the New York Post and the New York Daily News and even the Times, you know, reporting on, you know, Eric Adams saying that New York's, you know, that soul of New York is being lost because of these immigrants. And I'm like, how do you speak for a fucking New York's you know, soul? Yeah. Give me a fucking break. You're a nut. <laughs> anyway. Yes, anyway. <laughs> what are your, what's your demerit or recommendation for Okay, week? well, as you know, my cup is always usually half empty, so I'm going to give a <laughs> demerit today, and it's well-deserved. Um, I have now given them any number of chances. Sometimes they get it right. But I've had three really massive F-ups from <laughs> the people at the audio retailer, on, the online retailer, Sweetwater. And I know a lot of people who are into uh, musician, uh, you know, music and and doing podcasts and all sorts of stuff where they have all kinds of needs for audio or audio and video gear and they think that they're getting a good deal by buying through this warehouse operation. Well, the good deal sometimes doesn't happen when a product does not arrive as promised and paid for. And just this week, I had a horrible situation with Sweetwater.com uh, where I... And, and it's really... I hate doing this because my rep there is actually a longtime friend of mine who I've known since long before he went back to Indiana to work there. And he's a really good guy, and he, you know, he did his job right, but somebody in shipping and receiving for the third time on an order of mine screwed up big time. And I needed a product for a project I was working on uh, on Tuesday to arrive by Tuesday. And when I ordered on Monday, I said to my friend, the rep, I said, um, can you absolutely guarantee me that this is going to arrive by 10 a.m. tomorrow? You know, I was willing to pay like the FedEx shipping and all that. That wasn't an issue. He absolutely guaranteed me that it was going to get here. At 2 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday morning, 
so several hours later, I get a message in my text messages from UPS. And then I immediately thought, oh, this was sent UPS. I'm This is not going to be good. And so I get this message. It tells me that it's going to be delivered Sunday before 7 p.m. Um, no, I'm sorry, Sweetwater, uh, we're no longer married. <laughs> Stay tuned. The Mixology Report is coming next. Homo mixologist Richie Roy and his ice cube handler Johnny Mac present the latest lessons from the Gay BC Happy Hour School of Mixology. As they say at Gay BC, bottoms up. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, so, the mixology report. Um, I like this segment. Um, and you know, you I do. do my research each week. Yeah. And um, this week, I actually, I have a recommendation. It's a non-alcoholic rec- recommendation that I think can be rendered uh, tasty with a booze added to it. But I'm really crazy right now for this drink called Tepache. Tepache. Tepache, yes. Where did you learn and what this? It is, is, this is something from Mazatlan. It's not, well, you know, it might be, they might make it in Mazatlan, but it is from Mexico and it's a fermented drink made out of, uh, pineapple, uh, husks Mm. like the, and, um, it's a, and so there's a brand, there's a sort of local kind of artisanal shop near here called the Ackerd market. And they sell, they sell them in, you know, as sort of onesie twosies. And there's different flavors of them. And I bought one just for fun. And what? I, the shell? I drank. What? Of the shell? No, of the drink. The oh, tabache. the drink. Okay. The drink. So there's a company called De La Calle that makes a, a canned tepache. I'm going to show you in the in the video feed mm-hmm. <laughs> to, just to Johnny. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a, a canned... Uh, a carbonated beverage and they have a bunch of different flavors like chamoy uh, watermelon jalapeno um, tamarind and they're very tangy and and carbonated and funky and absolutely thirst quenching and delicious I love and tangy this- and carbonated so long as there's not any sugar syrup in it, is it uh, Sun's sweetener? It is Sun's sweetener. Yes. Good. Well, it will. Uh, it has. It has. I'm looking at the ingredients on this one. It has the tapacha. It has erythritol in it, which is a a non-sugar sweetener. Yeah. Um, and low down on the list, it has agave inulin. So. Mm. Um, well, agave is natural and it's it's okay. It's natural, so. yeah, but it doesn't have sugar. It doesn't have sugar or corn syrup. Um, but it's this very uh, delightful, fizzy, funky, spicy drink, and I just think it. And you can order it on Amazon. Um, they they sell like sampler packs with different flavors on Amazon, 
And I'm just kind of nuts for tapache right now. And I I know that there are places, I know there's a Mexican restaurant near here that makes their own tapache as well. So keep your eye out. Either look for local tapaches, but also consider checking it out online. You know what um, might the, be really cool as a, as a um, mocktail or a cocktail would be um, to put it in a... Uh, or basically to put in it like a scoop of sherbet. And then if you want to cocktail it, um, maybe using uh, like a vodka or a um, rum in that. So I think that you're on the right track. And I think I was thinking along the same lines. I think a vodka would be a neutral way to just put booze in it. I think rum would be more interesting. Yeah. And I love the idea of a sherbet affogato. I've never heard of that, but I love that idea of the scoop of the sherbet like like a float, like a sherbet yeah. float on a tapache is genius. Yeah. Um so I think that's a great idea. So I think um you know, for the drink this week, try to find, you know, check out tapache, go go on Amazon, get get a palette or um, see if a local Mexican restaurant has it, but um, yeah, I, I think I think uh, some rum and some sherbet is a, is a great idea for a, a fun drink. Yeah, and without the rum, you know, it would be a fun drink for kids too, or for people who just don't consume alcohol. Yeah, no, no, in in totally a tempel. Yeah. Well, that sounds tasty. We'll have to maybe try some of those at the uh, pool party we have for the uh, GBC Happy Hour friends who come into Palm Springs for uh, for Palm Springs Pride in early November, and we're yeah. getting excited for that because that's now technically uh, weeks away. Not I months. know it's kind of, it's coming up. You know, you know another another bev that. Uh, it's funny because this week is all about mocktails, I guess. Um, I've been going cuckoo crazy for iced teas of all stripes. Um, I've been making um, – I have these these Takea, which is a Japanese company, makes these uh, iced tea diffusers that are sort of like a tall canister that has a, a filter that goes down into it. And um, – I've been making iced teas. I have two of them. I've been making iced teas every day. Um, black tea, hibiscus, green tea. Um, but uh, it's so easy to make, and they're so thirst-quenching. Again, like um, like a, a jasmine tea, like a jasmine green tea, iced tea is just so good. And there, you don't. I mean, you could. I, I mean, you could certainly throw some vodka in there, but there's no reason to because um, iced tea is so easy and cheap to make, and and uh, store bought iced tea is absolutely garbage. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I really don't drink that. In fact, um, Charlie, the Johnny Mac, better half, um, <laughs> he makes uh, you know tea that way as you're discussing all the time, and and then refrigerates it, and it just. It's it's so incredible to have real iced tea, you know, with 
you know, not out of the Limpton bags, but out of the, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, doing it with the tea leaves and all that stuff and, and brewing it right. And it, it just makes a lot of difference. I love it. Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, that's all I drink besides water. So is tea. Basically. Yeah, I mean, and exactly. And the thing is, no one should be drinking flat water. It's evil. But you should be drinking <laughs> iced tea. Um, and and really, all you need to do is... Um, well, be you know, careful with that advice, because um, as you will find out at some point, uh, people who have osteoporosis or are prone to it, um, when they have fizzy water, uh, carbonated water, uh, it actually uh, makes their issues worse so um it can break down their bones even faster Mm, okay well i found that out from a family member who had to stop drinking it because um she always drank uh you know water with gas so well they 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 will I, i i they will they will take my my fizzy water from my cold dead hands. My my cold bird boned dead hands. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the other yeah. Um, but yeah, the the um, the iced tea is is so good. You know, and I and I think that the so the way that that I tend to do it is um, about a tea or a tablespoon per cup of water. Um, and I brew it just because you can do cold brew. I just did a cold brew of, of some tea this morning and it's, it's fine, but I actually prefer to just brew it normal. Um, a tablespoon per cup, uh, pour in boiling water, run it for five minutes for black, take the tea out and you're done. Um, if you're looking for a tea purveyor, Harney and Sons is a upstate New York, uh, fantastic purveyor of loose teas and bag teas so um you can hit them up i was actually on there today trying to order some tea but i became too dazzled by the array of different teas that i didn't know which one to get so i had to close the window but um hey by the way i want to let people know uh one of the stories you talked about it right off the top of the broadcast tonight about the uh, michigan uh snowflake parents freaking out over the middle school mural um, that mural, if you've not seen it, is displayed at the top of our GBC happyhour.com homepage. And, uh, and I thought it was so appropriate that they used our logo green as the background for this, uh, for this beautiful m- mural. So you go check that out. And, of course, that's where you can also find the podcast on demand. Uh, it's usually up within a half an hour after the show completes each week. Um, you'll also, as I mentioned before, find a lot of the new merchandise and stuff. You'll be able to click on the image that's on our homepage, and it will take you to the store where you can see each individual item. So whether you want you know, to get yourself some dog tags or uh, a you know, I was thinking, Richie, that you would be perfect wearing that uh, that GBC Happy Hour uh, chef's apron. And oh, perfect! Yeah, there's you know bags and uh, keychains and notebooks and my mouse pad and you know glasses and coffee mugs and water bottles and all sorts of stuff like that. 
And uh, I'm going to go get myself actually uh, one of the new hoodies and have that. So perfect. Perfect for the season. Looking forward to being back with you again next week uh, on the 28th. We'll be live again of September. So hopefully you'll be with us for the live show. And uh, if you can't catch us live on podcast is always great. Anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, we're on most of the major podcast platforms. So check it out. Have a great week. May your shadow fall in pleasant places. Night, Richie. Good night.